Mahomes, timing route, down the sideline, it's caught, touchdown! Brady pumps, looking for Brown deep, and throwing for Brown. He's got it at the 30, the 20, the 10, the Patriots have won! Okay, welcome back to another quarantine edition of Touchdown with Tom and Will. Um, yesterday we touched on, well, we didn't just touch, we went in depth <laughs> on all of the offseason, giving every single team a grade for the offseason, who they traded, what deals they'd done, who they'd signed. Um, and that's why we asked we needed a separate episode to preview tonight's NFL draft, tonight's NFL Zoom draft, um, as it's going to be. I don't even know how it's going to be streamed, Tom. It's going to be a weird one to watch, isn't it? No, it is. And um, yeah, we, it's a good, I think it's a good thing that we split up the two episodes so that we can focus really on the draft in this episode. I actually don't know how it's going to work. So I'm planning on switching on Sky Sports at about 1am, maybe just before, yeah. to see what it's all about. I'm not even sure whether the Sky Sports presenters will be doing it or they'll be stealing it from the American shows. Yeah, I which I, so I don't know what that will be like. And then, yeah, apparently it's all going to be via Zoom. I don't know whether the presenters are going to be in a studio, but two metres apart, sort of like, what you see on TV today in like sort of newsrooms and stuff, or whether the presenters will be literally in their own bedrooms on yeah. sort of some sort of multi-screen. I mean, and then, I was going to say, if you, if, you, if, you, if you haven't watched the draft before, it's usually this complete soap opera. You know, it, it's almost like a reality TV show. They put all the players in one room and there are cameras on them for them to get in phone calls. And you have these great stories where someone's just like left at the table by himself because he was never picked. Um, famously, Aaron Rodgers falling back in the draft and just being left pretty much the table by himself, despite thinking he'd go top 10. Um, so these great moments that usually make it such an amazing hub. And you always have hundreds of fans there cheering for their picks. Um, it will be a very different, very different scene. I hadn't even thought about, so obviously some of the, some of the draft picks normally, they stay at home and they have a bit of a party with all their friends and family. Oh, yeah. and so in my head, I was like, that's going to be normal. That's, that's quite normal to see. But actually, they're just going to be on their own because of this social distancing. They're not going to be able to have these draft parties where they bring all their families over it's maybe going to be their parents and some siblings whereas normally you see like let's say Baker Mayfield is absolutely flooded with people around him cheering for him and it's going to be completely different this year I can see there being one scandal where someone suddenly got 30 people and everyone's like wait a sec <laughs> that, you're not allowed that. That, that that's not the plan um, well if this was in my household everyone would be like what the hell is having a party but actually it's just yeah. all the people living here with me at the moment there might be a few situations of those. I mean, there might be some big families. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be very bizarre. I mean, I did see something saying, this might be updated since I saw it, that they've, they've still invited like 20 people, but that must have changed since then. That can't be, that can't be right. When they first said they were going to do it distance, they, they invited like a certain number of players and it was going to be distance and all that kind of thing. Um, but now I'm assuming it's not. Um, as we yeah. said yesterday, it was going to be this, like the biggest draft ever in the sense it was going to be in Vegas and it was going to be on a lake and it was going to be just stupid, the NFL, like stereotypical NFL. <laughs> um, it was going to be on Zoom. So that will be a weird one to watch. Um, it'd be weird, but also... It's number two and someone's internet pick, uh, internet drops out. Exactly. It yeah, actually... Open it, selects. Wait, can you hear me? It does make it a whole lot more interesting and there's definitely more potential for stuff to go wrong. Oh, yeah. There's some images on like Instagram of all these GMs war rooms. And yeah, stuff like that. And it's like, how many of these GMs are actually used to, or so, especially some of the older like, owner sort of types, mm. how, many are they, how much are they used to this sort of technology-based or whatever? Like, 
I saw one quote that um, Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, says he's never sent an email or texted anyone. He yeah. never calls them. And it's like, mate, some of these head coaches, some of these GMs are going to have to start using Zoom. Pretty, um, pretty sharpish. Yeah, I, found, I, found, I saw that statement as well. And I thought that was just phenomenal. And Nick Saban, <laughs> arguably the most successful college coach of all time, throwing him right. And, uh, and this guy doesn't use email. And he just somehow <laughs> so good that he doesn't seem to need anything that was developed in the 21st century to help him do his work. I mean, I, mean, I wonder how he does tape. He must do tape. I mean, he, must, he always does tape and he does analysis. But he must, I, I guess he doesn't do it himself. Um, yeah. There's um there's one as well I saw that the I, I can't remember which franchise it is but the IT um, director the basically the guy in charge of all the, the IT he's he's camping outside the GM's house oh overnight tonight just in case something goes wrong it's really real pressure like this draft yeah. can determine a franchise's future yeah and especially yeah. as we we're going to review the the top ten mm. and then sort of the first round those sort of players are meant to come in and make an impact quickly. And these are the players that you do pay like a reasonable amount. The rookie deals are a lot lower than the, the sort of second deals, but there's still it's a lot of money for a for a young player, and it's so important that they get it right. And a technological glitch could be catastrophic. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that example. They're doing these um, the darts on Zoom recently. Yeah, everyone's been filming their darts from that. These always top players with a camera in their house, and they genuinely playing each other at darts via just playing it at home. And one of the top players dropped out of the tournament because he knew his Wi-Fi just wasn't up to it. He was, wasn't up to streaming his darts. It's like the number fifth <laughs> darts player in the world just couldn't play in this darts tournament because his Wi-Fi wasn't strong enough. So hopefully all these teams have got it sorted. Apparently uh, it went really badly on Monday. They had a mock draft. Yeah. Apparently there was already problems and it's just like, ooh. I saw someone say that actually it's good for the NFL to put out some feeders saying it's not going well on Monday. Yeah. But then it sort of lowers expectations. Mm. So sort of tonight, maybe if something goes slightly wrong, they're like, oh, well, that's to be expected. And hopefully it can run all smoothly. I kind of want it to not run smoothly, but I kind of yeah. want it to. Well. I'm going to take a hint from like, the, um, the British press conferences around Corona, because that's pretty much what you need, isn't it? You need a, the same people standing on stage and then bringing in one after one the next people on the screen like they've been doing with the journalists on the BBC News. So get them some tips off them. I can, I mean, I'd like to see some funny odds around um, things to go wrong, like Cleveland Browns Wi-Fi to crash. It's just going to happen. <laughs> it would be the Browns thing. They need material for their documentaries, and they, it's, it has to crash. Uh, <laughs> or someone to hack. This could, this could be hacked. I mean, if, if you're yeah, just submitting well, the pick well. via a website, and then you confirm it on video stream, but you like submit the actual pick, what if someone just hacks into it? Imagine. Oh. Wow. They're like, we didn't actually pick him. We did. Yeah. We did. It. We promised. Yeah. Um, I was I also wonder if it will mean ways. Yeah, I wonder if it will reduce the amount of trading that goes on within the draft just because of the logistics of like calling someone up via Zoom, making sure they're not already like making their pick while you're doing it. You're in teams trade picks during as it's going on. I wonder if that would be slightly reduced just because of the logistics of of doing all of that. But maybe not. I mean usually it's a phone call, I guess. So Yeah, no, normally it's it's they're not gonna be in the same room normally, I suppose. Yeah. I think apparently there's big one big conference call with all the GMs. So the, one of their phones has, um, is a, li- a line to every single GM. And um, I was saying, I think how funny it would be if, let's say, pick up a phone, Belichick, meet me on a Zoom in five minutes. And they're like, yeah. oh, my God, they're trading. Yeah. Who are they trading for? Oh, we need to jump ahead. Like, there could be some games like that. Like, Bill Belichick, yeah. to be fair, is probably someone's play it like that to sort of get people jumping around. Oh, I think Imagine draft, you're a GM. I don't think there's many places I'd rather be in like a draft war room, like for one night, just to spe- be yeah, in there and exactly. just see the spin and see the decisions in the draft board. Um, 
So yeah, the film really... Draft Day, for those who haven't seen it, is yeah. definitely worth yeah. a watch this right, afternoon. <laughs> good, good quarantine film, that. Um, yeah, definitely. So to get straight into the draft, we should do. Um, the number one pick and number one consensus pick is, is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals, who had one of the poorest seasons I've seen of any, of any time in the NFL uh, last year. Um, looking like they will pick LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. And this doesn't seem like there's any doubt, does it, Tom? No. Well, Joe Burrow basically had an absolutely incredible year. Some are saying the best college year ever. He, he was the Ohio State quarterback, beaten out of there by Dwayne Haskins, so transferred to LSU. And then, well, he sat behind a few players at um, Ohio State. And then he had two years at LSU. And last year, he just lit it up through 60 touchdowns, won the Heisman Trophy, which is basically the award for the best college player. And he also won the national championship, beating Clemson in the championship game. He is definitely a consensus number one. Uh, and the Bengals need a quarterback. They've yeah. sort of parted ways with Andy Dalton. And they need someone to really build their franchise around. And a lot of the positive sort of things around Joe Burrow is he's got a lot of intangibles, a lot of leadership qualities yeah, as well, which might be what they need in Cincinnati. I think he's got a lot of humility as well because he didn't kind of succeed. He wasn't like this kind of absolute star throughout his whole career. He's had setbacks. Um, you know, Ohio State, he's from Ohio as well, where Cincinnati is. So to go to that university and then not be the starter and have to drop back and restart his college career, pretty much restart his college career, but then to be so successful. Um, I've watched a couple of interviews with him where he's been on kind of slightly more, slightly less serious podcasts than like the ESPN ones. He's been very relatable, very good to talk to. Like he's a guy that I think is very, very likable. And you're right, his leadership qualities. Well, did you see Andy Dalton's little Instagram video? No, I didn't. What was that? Oh, Andy Dalton did a little one. He was playing in his garden and he had this kind of oh, net no. set up that had like a tiny like net within it, I guess, that he was like throwing, you know, 30 yard passes into. Um, and it wasn't fake because his little kids were running around the whole time. But he was just absolutely yeah. nailing like five or six passes in a row. Him kind of saying, I'm still better. And there have been some people trying to defend Danny Dalton saying that he's never been given the support by a very, very cheap owner of the Bengals that he should have got um, during his career. And he might still find a team. I don't think he'll be a backup. Um, no, yeah. But yeah, consensus pick, Joe Burrow, that's not going to be like Zion Williamson going first in the NBA draft um, last year, it's not going to surprise anyone. Um, and then so that, at number two, the, the consensus really is that um, the Washington Redskins are going to take what people are calling a generational talent hmm. in Chase Young. He's an edge rusher from Ohio State, and he, his nickname is Predator, okay? Yeah. And he literally looks like predator from the film franchise yeah he is a unit he has long dreadlocks he is rapid honestly i couldn't imagine anything more terrifying than being a quarterback and having chase young charging at me yeah i like, I like the way the draft usually works out it's very consistently a, a, a state where there's the first pick is always the team that had the worst year the previous year and it's probably because they have a quarterback so it's almost always a quarterback and then the pick two or three or four is always the best player in the draft. They always, they always say this. And it's usually a defensive player. Um, mm. In this case, it's, it's Chase Young. Um, and you always think, well, if they're the very best player in the draft, surely they go to the first team. But those teams are so reliant on finding the next quarterback. They often have to pass on the best player. And, here, and not, I mean, last year was um, Nick Bosa, wasn't it? He went second. Yeah. Um, and this year, it's Chase Young. And yeah, he looks unbelievable. I mean, I think the fact that he's going to be chasing down Dak Prescott twice a year, um, I'd be worried if he was going to be chasing down 
uh, uh, Carson Wentz with his injury record twice a year. Um, huge, huge grab for the Redskins. I think him under Ron Riviera there, um, yeah, exciting talent to see in the league for sure. There's talk about, so we're going to mention a few um, trades that we'd quite like to see. Um, and there's quite a few people who are saying, sorry, not about the trades, it's about the next pick, but what I'm saying is on your note about how important a quarterback is, mm. there's even talk that the Redskins, they have they found their future quarterback is Dwayne Haskins, really the man yeah. for the future. Should they be looking to take a quarterback with this pick? And there's a lot of people who say the quarterback is the most important NFL position. He gets the ball in his hands almost every snap. Should they be looking to get a quarterback or do they trust Dwayne Haskins? I think the consensus really is that Chase Young is too good a talent to pass yeah. up on. I mean, that, would be, that would be the kind of drama I want to see. You know, yeah. 20 minutes into the night and the Redskins upset every single mock draft that's been done over the last month or so and pick up Herbert or pick up Tua. I don't see it happening. Um, but oh, I would make, a, make it hugely exciting. It would mess up everyone's draft going down. It would probably, probably force Detroit to then pick Trace Young. It, uh, the whole thing would go, would go to shit, as we can now say, given all the <laughs> Tits uh, up, yeah. And it would go tits up, massively tits up, and that, and that would be very fun to watch. But I think Chase Young, you're right, will go to the Redskins. The third pick with Detroit is more interesting because although Detroit need a lot, whether that pick is very valuable for them to trade has been probably the most discussed you know, pick that could go elsewhere um, during the build-up. No, so yeah, the Detroit Lions, there's been some talk about them taking a quarterback. But I think they'll be pretty happy with Matt Stafford for at least another few years. Um, and so this pick number three, you've got below them, you've got the Dolphins and the Chargers, who both need a quarterback. And they might try and jump up to that number three position to try and take one of the top quarterbacks left in the draft. So those two that are being spoken about are uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon and Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. Now, Tua... It was an exceptional talent and would have been, I think, everyone's number one pick. Had he not had a really bad run of injuries at college, mm. and he, was, he basically had a really terrible hip injury right at the end of the season. And that's what everyone's worry is, is basically how injury-prone is he. If he's getting hurt every single year at college, surely he's going to get hurt in the NFL. So there's talk about whether people will trade up to take this number three pick from the Lions, I'm pretty sure the Detroit Lions will want to move out of here. The number three pick is so valuable. Like, they would get an old haul of draft capital, more picks further on the draft. And I reckon they could probably pick up the same player That's what further I'm, down yeah. this. I mean, you think about it, I'm looking at you know, the kind of things that the Lions need. They need a cornerback, they need a defensive lineman, they need a defensive lineman. They basically need a lot more strength along the lines. If they were to move or exchange their pick with the Chargers, so the Chargers could actually get their first choice quarterback, whoever that be, whether that be Justin Herbert or Tua, um, they would probably still get the, play, the player, the lineman or the cornerback that they want. The plus, probably another second-round pick from the Chargers or even more capital. So... I think it's kind of a no-brainer for me for the Detroit Lions to use that pick for something. Um, but it's kind of like a free, a free pass for them. They're going to get the player they want, whether they get number six pick or not. I think if I was Miami, I'd be battling them to get that pick as well because I'd be worried that the Chargers will jump ahead of them. Um, yeah. And that, but that's if these teams are consensus on which, team, on which player they want. Um, I, I personally, I love Tua. Um, and I think some of the injury criticism is really harsh. There have been a lot of very successful quarterbacks 
in the NFL that have had some tough years in college. You know, Patrick Mahomes was injured for a lot of two of his years at college. Patrick Mahomes was injured for a lot of this year and then went and won a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> I think injury criticism, especially at such a young age, when a lot of his injuries aren't really related. You know, if he had a recurring ankle injury they couldn't, he yeah. could not get over, um, then I'd be worried. But a lot of the injuries aren't massively related. And I think with a good uh, fitness staff, medical assistance and better protection, they'll get in the NFL and they might have got... Um, remember, yes, the hits might get harder in the NFL, but you've got so much better protection than you get in college. You know, the yeah. top, top quarterbacks in college are going to get sacked a lot more um, than they will in the NFL. So I, I would like them to, t- I'd like these teams just to think about what the best player is as opposed to the safe pick, which I think is Justin Herbert, not to like go against Justin Herbert's unbelievable talent. And for a long time, he was thought to be number one pick in this draft before Joe Burrow kind of broke through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. Both these teams are getting great quarterbacks, effectively, Miami and, and, and San Diego. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Detroit, Detroit, where that pick goes with Detroit will be probably the best, the first drama of the draft, I reckon. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it all depends, as you mentioned, whether Miami and, and um, the Chargers want the same quarterback. Yeah. So, but at the start of the, the sort of the offseason, everyone was talking about Tua being by far the favourite for both sides. And actually, in the last few days, Justin Herbert has snuck in ahead of him on most people's sort of, you'd sort of loads of these analysts do mock drafts mm. and everyone's got the inside scoop and you're never quite sure whether everyone's what someone knows. Um, but it just depends whether they want the same quarterback as to whether they trade up and they could also trade up and jump ahead of each other by going for the number four pick for the giants who also, I think are a side who want to try and move out of that number four pick, pick up some more, so options further down in the draft, and they'll still manage to get a sort of offensive tackle or a defensive player further down if they are able to trade with Miami and the Chargers. I saw that um, the Giants have mentioned and leaked the fact that they've been reviewing Justin Herbert really thoroughly, doing their due diligence, mm. and someone's like, aka, they want someone to take their pick. <laughs> they yeah. want someone to get worried and come in and take it. I mean, that's I think that's really interesting, and also. I think what's tricky for some of us as, as fans, I don't think this is because we're, we're, I guess, relative newbies to the sport, it is harder for the average fan to evaluate the best defensive tackle than it is to evaluate the best quarterback or running back or, or right receiver. Yeah. So, this, uh, you know, I have mock draft here saying they're going to take Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, an absolute you know, giant beast of a guy. I've seen a couple of videos of him. But how, to what extent we know he's better than the next three, four offensive tackles in the draft I'm not entirely sure, um, yeah, no. but but effectively, I, I believe that those picks are ones where teams know if they get a top four offensive tackle or a top four um, lineman, that's the kind of addition they need. Whether it's which individual one might matter less um, than the kind of choosing of a quarterback that's going to define your team for the next decade, ideally. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the general consensus is that this draft is a very offensive lineman heavy draft and a wide receiver heavy draft so basically they're saying there's lots of options at offensive tackle and lots of options at wide receiver and that's certainly something to watch out for as the draft goes on because there will be players that are picked sort of ranked let's say yeah a top top three even in those positions slipping and sliding because people are taking different players because there are so many potential options so it'll be interesting that's, to see. That's the thing, is that like where, where you get um, selected in the draft really has very little to do with how, you know, how ranked, how good a player you were out of college. It's purely on needs. 
Um, for example, running backs are very, very often quite low in the draft um, because they're seen as quite expendable talents. I mean, obviously, we've seen the very top running backs in the game, like Christian McCaffrey, clearly not expendable, clearly can carry your whole organization, but they're not the kind of players out of college that go very high in the draft. But that might be because teams are often, you know, they're not the players that are seen to win you or lose you a game. You know, an edge rusher or a new quarterback, offensive lineman, these are the players where their impact is really very obvious on the field. Um, whether it's going well or not, the running back slightly less so. Um, so it's kind of more like where you were picked in your position, I think, is where players rank, you know, um, how well they've done coming out of the draft. So if you're the first picked running back, if you're picked late second round, you still had a fantastic year, obviously. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so the Giants, I think, will want to trade out of the fourth spot, but if they don't, they're looking for someone to protect Daniel Jones, maybe, as Will mentioned, an offensive tackle like Tristan Wirfs. Potentially, they could go defense and I think my favorite player in the draft is actually this guy called Isaiah Simmons who's an absolute beast from Clemson when asked in his interviews what position are you he just said defense yeah he I is, saw that that was incredible he is a linebacker a safety he's a unit and he just gets after the ball I think he is gonna be I'm gonna say it now he's gonna be my what they call him a sleeper in the draft people that people pass up on and he will slide down to someone who will be very, very grateful. So the Giants could go for him. He's sort of behind um, Jeff Okuda, who's a cornerback from Ohio State. And we mentioned Chase Young. He's the sort of top three player in this draft, as people are saying, um, non-quarterback players. So he could be an option for the Giants at four. He could also be someone who slips down if they decide to go on the offensive line and protect their new quarterback, Daniel Jones. Pick five and six. Yeah, I, I think I saw a thing that, uh, that Isaiah Simmons lined up at, at wide receiver sometimes in high school. I mean, oh, imagine coming great. up against that. I mean, absolutely. It'd be so great for, like, some people are saying how it's actually really difficult for, how's he going to work in an NFL system? Like, where are people going to play him? We don't know what position he is. How's he going to work? But actually, for a coach, you're an NFL coach. You're, you're the top, like, you're the top of the game. You'll find a way to make someone like that work. You, and if you are really the best in your in your business, you will find a way to use your explosive weapon to your greatest, like to his greatest ability and capacity. Someone like Taysom Hill, who came in as a quarterback, has been utilized so well by the New Orleans Saints yeah. in a whole, whole host of positions. And there's no way you'd say that that would be a mark down against him as a player. Well, remember the last time people doubted what position someone played. Um, a certain Lamar Jackson was told he might have to play wide receiver. Um, yeah, exactly, and then arguably the best year of any player in the NFL last year, and also um, you know talk about sleepers. I mean, last year's biggest sleeper in my in my view was DK Metcalf. Yeah, massive. He was a complete animal out of college, and then teams just didn't know if it was all for show, and you know, was he actually a top top player? And then he went to Seattle second second half of the season had an unbelievable year, um, and looks like he could be a number one wide receiver for the next you know at least ten years. You know, very 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 good player. Um, so these sleepers, I mean, and then someone who is similar in a way to Simmons, a huge amount of hype, and it's whether GMs are thinking, okay, this hype is deserved, um, or whether they think it's just a bit of a show and we're getting excited, you don't know enough about the game. So that's exciting, um, for sure, to see where he lands, I agree. Uh, so are we now looking at, well... Picks five and six, uh, yeah. sort of, as we mentioned, the, well, Miami have got the fifth, and the Chargers have got the sixth, both need a quarterback, and it's going to be very interesting to see who they take, whether they trade up and who they actually, who is their guy 
this is going to be the most interesting thing for me. And I don't think actually any of the analysts in America know actually how Miami and the Chargers are going to swing tonight. I have heard some thoughts that it's slightly less um, essential for the Chargers and is the Dolphins. Interesting. Thinking that, that, that if the Chargers want Herbert really badly and they don't get Herbert, that they might happily wait one more year. I and mean, they've got Tyrod Taylor at the moment, um, who started enough games at quarterback to kind of get them through a season. I don't think it'll be a great season. I think it'll be another losing season for sure. Um, but that might be enough to take them through. But that's only if they have enough doubts into it. I mean, you've got to be absolutely sure um, on a player to pick them this high in the draft. And if these no. doubts are strong enough and the Dolphins pick up Justin Herbert, or equally, the Char- I think if the Chargers get Her- Herbert through a trade, the Dolphins will take Tua. But the only question is if the Dolphins take Herbert, will the Chargers take Tua if they're not absolutely sure about him? Um, I think they will, but that is something people are doubting a little bit because um, the Chargers need a slightly less extreme um, than the Dolphins right now, I'd say. Um, I think for, for GM to pick a quarterback, that's a big, that's a big statement and a big risk. And there's not many GMs who survive picking the wrong quarterbacks. If we think about John Dorsey, he went for Baker Mayfield. He's now gone uh, as it didn't quite work out. Maybe it will going forward with a different coach. The only time I can think about it when when a GM has got a second chance were the Cardinals last year where they picked Josh Rosen. Um, I think 10th in the draft, was it? Yeah, but you wonder how how much the previous coach had a say in that and he didn't get a second chance. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, Steve Wilkes was uh, let go after one year. Yeah. And um, they managed to pick up, obviously, uh, Kyler Murray with the first pick of this year's, of last year's draft. So it's a really big, uh, jobs are on the line here. GM's yeah. jobs are on the line, about, especially with these top 10 picks. They need to get it right. And if two is not quite the Chargers guy, let's say the Dolphins take Herbert, then they, yeah, they could be quite happy to sit with Tyrod Taylor and maybe be able to pick up another quarterback in next year's draft that they're more keen on. It'll be, it will be so interesting. And if Tua starts to slide, that will be, again, something to really watch out for. Yeah. I, mean, we, I kind we of want Tua to be interesting, but I also really like Tua as a guy. And so I don't, that'd be just so horrible to be yeah. not picked like that. We, um, we make comparisons to football a lot because it's, it kind of makes the content more relatable, I guess. And I guess like, it's become a very kind of weird thing for people to get used to over the last 10 years in football in the sense that a lot of managers aren't signing players. You've kind of got these directors of football signing players. But that is absolutely the way it works in the NFL. I mean, the coaches have an input and the coaches, I'm sure, say, you know, I like the look of this player. But it very much is the decisions of the owners and the GMs which players to sign. And they might have less, they might not have coached a team. Um, not all the GMs have played, you know, professional football. Um, so it's kind of bizarre to me often that it is the GMs making the pick and it is their jobs on the line. Um, where in my head it should be the coaches evaluating the players but I guess the coaches have their own job dealing with the current team and that is what the GM is paid to do is pick the right players out of the draft you know there'll be a GM at the Patriots who said we're going to punt on this sixth round Tom Brady guy and didn't pick another quarterback in 20 years so you get it right um, and you make a whole career out of it Um, but yeah it'll be fascinating to see where these guys go and I also think there is so much pressure on any of these quarterbacks we've seen over the last couple of years picked in the first 10 picks um, because you're talked about more than any other quarterback in the league for a solid yeah. like four months. There's nothing else to talk about. Um, you know, so certain, you know, also two is only a junior. So certain throws of his and inceptions of his and touchdown of his have been shown on ESPN thousands of times over the last two months because there is nothing else to talk about and it's so much pressure on them. Um, I think that's really, really tough. It's almost easier to come into the league as a quarterback and kind of late first round or second round, maybe in the way Lamar Jackson did. He wasn't the most talked about of that class. 
Um, and he's thrived by far the most out of that draft class from two years ago. No, yeah. absolutely. Quite handy there. But seventh pick is the Carolina Panthers. Um, the uh, Cam Newtonless Carolina Panthers. Uh, so I think they're, they're, they're also a team who could maybe take quarterback, but I think that they're going to back the decisions that they made in the offseason. And they're going to look to replace players elsewhere. Obviously, another new coach in Matt Rule, we spoke about, will he want a new quarterback? So quite a lot of people say that coaches come in and they get the quarterback that they want. Someone like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were a perfect combination when they came together. Will the Panthers be thinking about a quarterback? The general consensus is that if the three that we've spoken about already, Herbert, Tua and um, Joe Burrow, are taken, that there aren't really other quarterbacks with that top 10 calibre. So they probably will be looking to strengthen their D-line or potentially go for someone like Simmons, who could maybe be the replacement of Luke Keekley, who was fantastic for them over so many years. And they obviously released Eric Reed as well. Maybe Simmons could be a nice fit at Carolina. Yeah. I mean, they brought in um, Teddy Bridgewater, who I think you know, they wouldn't have brought him in and paid him the money they paid him if they weren't pretty certain that he was going to be their quarterback of the future, at least over the next two, three years, to see how he goes. Um, so although I think, yes, if there was like a fourth, a fourth quarterback or if the second or third top 10 quarterback could fall to them, they'd be interested. And um, I think they're far more likely to support their defense, either with a linebacker or a safety. Um, I, I think, think it's Brown. Derek Brown as well, the defense's tackle from Auburn yeah. is rated really highly. He's a machine. And so whilst there are plenty of options, I think, at number seven, that could be the route that they go down. Mm. So, moving on to the eighth pick, the Cardinals. I think this is brilliant that the Cardinals had such a, um, a progressive year. Obviously, with some tough losses and still managed to get the eighth pick in the draft. Um, so bizarre, and they've, they've got to protect Kyler Murray better than they have this year. No, absolutely. Um, he got absolutely pummeled. And for such a small guy, he did actually so well not to avoid getting more injuries. He did get injured for, that, for one game well, the second half of one game. But he really needs that protection. And I think they were... We mentioned the, the long list of offensive tackles. Je, DJ Jen, Je, Daniel Jeremiah, sorry. He reckons Jedrick Wills from Alabama will be the pick for the Cardinals. We did speak about how they might want a wide receiver with this long wide receiver draft, but obviously the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins yeah. is fits in nicely there. It just sort of shows how funny the NFL is because... We spoke about how the Cardinals were looking so good last year and actually making really good steps in the right direction. And they still ended up with the eighth worst record. But actually, they're pretty happy about that. They yeah. wouldn't want to have done much better because they actually fall out of the top 10 and maybe miss out on one of the really top talents and set themselves up for next year. So it's a really funny one down the stretch about whether teams actually want to be winning or not. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. I mean, if you're not in the playoffs, so the top 12 teams... There is nothing to gain from being the 13th best team in comparison to the 32nd best team, um, which, which is a bizarre. And I think it, it's, it's one of the biggest issues of the NFL because it really affects teams' motivation towards the last three, four games. If, you know, you've won four or five games, you're not the worst team, but a couple of losses could move you up six, seven picks in the draft. And I don't think professional athletes can think like that. Um, I think there are instances of tanking to some extent 
towards the extreme end when teams have only won like one game all year and it's the end of the season. I don't think teams can think like that, but yeah, for sure. Arizona Cardinals will not be worrying about those losses last year when they get a top you know, offensive tackle, let's say, to protect Kyler Murray. Um, and that saves them four sacks, which gets them two touchdowns. Like These little intangibles that, that you can really, really look at over the year. Um, yeah, if, if they get a big offensive tackle, whether that be Jedrick Wills um, or whether that be the one that we thought might go out the Giants, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, um, they're going to have a lot better protection for them next year, whatever happens. I'm pretty sure that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. He was sacked 48 times last year. That's, that's, that's free a game. That is bang on free a game. That is, um, yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? And you, you do literally see him most of the time running for his life. And he's yeah. quite lucky that he has that sort of escape ability. And probably what a reason why he was so highly rated going into last year. And so why you can understand why the Cardinals did take him is actually despite his size, he can really escape well, almost escape, or at least protect himself. So you see quite a few times with Kyler Murray, he actually get, takes a sack as opposed to trying to keep the play alive, which has actually been a criticism of Tua, interestingly enough. The yeah. fact that he plays on to the, to the bitter end, tries, always tries to make a play work. Whereas sometimes people said a praise of Kyler Murray is he accepts when it might not be on, takes the sack, and they go again the next play, and he avoids getting injured. So it's an interesting little thing to think about. Maybe Tua's competitiveness, not saying Kyler Murray isn't competitive because by all accounts, he's one of the most competitive guys out there. But maybe Tua, he's a bit over-competitive and that actually could be a reason why he might slip in this draft. Well, it's funny that the, the style of a quarterback is, I feel, definitely changing. And then there are, and it's been talked about a lot, and there are exceptions to the rule. Um, but if you look at the, the way Lamar Jackson plays quarterback, and then if you look at the way that young players coming up, I'm talking about like current players at like nine, ten, are looking at him and thinking, is that how you play quarterback? Because that is so different to the era of, of Tom Brady and Drew Brees and uh, Ben Roethlisberger and even Aaron Rodgers. And if these guys don't move out of the pocket that much, they'll spot a gap and get 10 yards if it's essential, but they're not running plays that involve them, you know, sprinting 15, 20 yards down the field. So when you bring in players like Kyler Murray and Tua who have the ability to do that, um, it really could be interesting to see over the next five years how much that position changes and how much players like Big Ben and Tom Brady possibly look like they're from a different era um, of the NFL. When, uh, you know, Mark Jackson didn't he run, he got more rushing yards than a lot of running backs this year. Which, I mean, I know he's yeah, a bit of an exception in terms of his talent and athletic ability, but I think that really could change the style of, and it will mean more injuries. It absolutely will mean more injuries. And I think that's the biggest worry with uh, uh, with um, Baltimore is that is that he will get a lot more injuries playing that kind of style, especially if teams start to really target him in those positions. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, which quarterbacks kind of live on and whether the old kind of style of being very very solid with the ball, not losing it, you know, staying in the pocket, um, survives through the next kind of five years. Bit off topic there. Yeah. Well, Lamar Jackson did. He broke the the rushing record yeah. by a quarterback. So it sort of shows, and he was the MVP, it sort of shows maybe it's progressing more to those sort of elusive um, dual threat quarterbacks. On to the, um, the ninth pick, and DJ, the sort of mock draft that we're working on, reckons that this could be the third offensive tackle taken in the draft. And I think Jaguars, they've got a lot of needs at the moment. They're, I think I said last night that they're going to be the worst team next year. And I think they need to, they're in a big rebuilding phase. And if they can't get a quarterback now, they're definitely thinking about next year. Can they pick up a good offensive tackle to protect their future quarterback 
in the potential down the road, as it were. But they've also they've got plenty of needs on defense, losing Jalen Ramsey, losing AJ Boye, and yeah. losing Calais Campbell. Uh, it's just ridiculous how yeah, much they need. Yeah, completely shredded over the last year and a half. You mentioned uh, yesterday they they used to be yeah known as the Saxonville Jaguars. They're nowhere near that sort of level at the moment. And it, they could go. They could go anyway at the number nine pick. I think it really just depends who's left on the board. Yeah, I mean, there's also been talk about about this one of the picks that, that changes. So, um, so whether the Falcons trade up um, to get this pick and swap with the Jaguars, and maybe offer them something. Um, I've seen this kind of uh, DJ the guy we're looking at is saying that they might go in for CJ Henderson, um, uh, but also probably defensive tackles. So that one of the swaps that we might see, and the Jaguars might still get the players they want. The Jaguars need players. So often you see these teams that you know if they're going to get the same player they want, they might just want more and more picks. Um, yeah. I think the thing of Miami as well is that Miami have so many picks. I can see one of Miami's later picks in this draft kind of uh, going to a team that needs that kind of first round and more. And Miami is picking up a lot of second and third round picks. Um, but that's pick nine. And then finally, one we're going to go in depth on, I guess, is pick 10, which is our, you know, teams that are suited to the offseason or not suited to the offseason, mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns, um, looking at going for an offensive tackle, which I can't, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They, yeah, they just, again, they, they're pretty happy with their quarterback. It's, it's interesting. As soon as you sort the quarterback, everything else gets so much easier. I watched, again, I recommend watching the evolution of Kyler Murray on YouTube from the Cardinals YouTube channel. They do produce a lot of good videos and they interview Steve Klein, their GM, a lot. And he was talking about how much more relaxed a draft is when you've got your quarterback sorted. Yeah. And so the Browns, they're, pretty, they're happy with Baker Mayfield as their go-to guy. And so now it's just a case of protecting him or picking up weapons. They've got their weapons. We mentioned yesterday they might have too many weapons. And so now it's definitely a case of protecting their asset, which is Baker Mayfield. Um, ab- absolutely. I mean, who else I interview with, um, you all know his name, the, the offensive tackle from uh, the Colts, the, the huge... Clinton Nelson. Clinton Nelson, yeah. He's a, who is so worth watching his interviews. He is a hilarious man. Um, but he was talking about how, you know, one of the things that most frustrated him, and he had a huge amount of respect for Andrew Luck, was that I think the year Andrew Luck left, they gave up, they went like seven, eight games without going up a sack. And when you have that kind of protection, especially for a young quarterback, I don't think there's a Quentin Nelson level talent in this draft in that position, but when you have that kind of protection for a quarterback, the, the options you have, both in the running game and the throwing game, um, are just so much expanded. And Quentin Nelson, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. Um, and I think that's why the offensive tackles, though it might not be the most glamorous position, um, can do a huge amount for your team. Um, so that's kind of the 10th the, the pick. I mean, look toward doing the top 10. Um, pick 11, I do want to talk about because it's my New York Jets. Um, I would like them to take C.D. Lamb because the wide receiver out of Oklahoma, I feel could be a number one wide receiver. Um, I think he's too good for them to pass up on. On the other hand, an offensive tackle is so necessary, like so unbelievably necessary to protect Sam Darnold. Um, Sam Darnold's had a really tough two years um, entering the league. He's had a mixture of injuries and not, not, not good enough players around him. Um, bad coaching in his first year, I believe. I think Todd Bowles wasn't suited to be a head coach. So there's been a lot of you know tough things for him to fight through. And I still think a lot of people think that out of those four players, he is the best you know quarterback, pure quarterback talent from those four players when he got drafted with Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's been phenomenal recently. I think with ball in hand, a lot of people still think Sam Darnold's 
fantastic talent. So do you give him protection or do you give him the facility to improve his, you know, improve his, his um, uh, well, get more touchdowns effectively by getting CD Lamb as a wide receiver? Knowing think, that, uh, no, go on. No, I think, I think that sort of sums up that 11th pick for the Jets sums up a lot about what this draft is. And we already mentioned lots of wide receivers, lots of offensive tackles. And so yeah. the chances are at number 11, you will still be able to get a top player in that position, even if, as we predicted, potentially three offensive tackles going in the top 10. There's still players there that the Jets will like to look to pick up. I think you're right. CD Lamb is phenomenal talent and by far, some, by far, I think by far the best wide receiver. And I think something that Jets need, obviously, having lost Robbie Anderson. But just going through the rest of the draft, I think it'll be really interesting to see where these wide receivers go. So the wide receivers to look out for, I could literally go on. You've got C.D. Lamb, as Will already mentioned, Jerry Judy from Alabama, Henry Ruggs III from Alabama, who is rapid. Um, then you've got Justin Jefferson, who was Joe Burrow's number one target from LSU. The boy who went to university with Will, whose name escapes me. Brandon Nayuk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, from Arizona State. There's so many options at wide receiver, and it'd be so interesting to see where these players go. I reckon the bottom at the back end of the first round could be really wide receiver heavy. It'd be, yeah, it's very exciting and that's to see. The question, like, is, is there the talent? So the Jets' second pick is all the way back at number 48. So it's like, if they take the offensive tackle, which for the long-term future of the organization without kind of thinking short-term about how they get more touchdowns next year, getting you know, a top-class, top three, four in the draft defensive tackle, it makes so much sense. I mean, it'd be really hard for a GM, I think, to live with passing up on that player every time he sees Sam Donald get sacked next year. I mean, it's going to be yeah. so tough to think, wow. We, and then when he sees that player protecting potentially another young quarterback, um, that's going to be tough to see. For the fans, you want to see a wide receiver. You want to see more touchdowns. You're frustrated at the fact he hasn't had the weapons that he needs on offense. Um, so as a, as a fan that's pure emotional, I want to see him get C.D. Lamb. But I think knowing the Jets and knowing the player, I mean, they're taking a defensive player, other than Sam Donald, the last three out of the last four years are taking a defensive player first. Um, and I think they'll be smart about that. And I think they probably will take, this one about Mekki Beckton out of Louisville, but I think they will take an offensive tackle. Um, but then they probably will take the wide receiver later on in the draft and hope there's one still good enough for one. But that's the thing. They're not going to get one at pick 48, I believe, even in a strong draft that's going to be able to be number one wide receiver straight out of college. And that's what's frustrating, I think. And there's a big dilemma for them. And, and I've looked at a few drafts for them because they're the team I look at most, and there's no consensus on which way they're going to go. A lot of people say wide receiver, a lot of people say offensive tackle. Um, so that's one of the most interesting dilemmas that we've actually discussed so far, um, where a team really could go one of two ways. Um, but after that, you're right. A lot of wide receivers are going to be drafted. You say that you say that they might not be able to get one at 48. DK Metcalf, as you mentioned earlier, was taken at 64. True. So you really do never know who could slide to you. And True. I think True. the reason there being such a big class of wide receivers and no standout guys is that there will be individual people suited to individual teams. So someone who you wouldn't reckon would go as high, someone like Nikhil Harry, uh, to who went to... You're to Arizona State, like yourself. Yeah. He went really high compared to most people's boards because the Patriots felt like they needed a big receiver to replace Gronk. Because there's so many of them, there might be a good player that might be a Jets number one or two slip to them into the second round true. just because he's not everyone's cup of tea. This is, this is true. Yeah, I mean, Nikhil Harry was an absolute shock. I mean, people, he wasn't even being... People knew he existed, but like... 
the amount of press DK Metcalf had in comparison to him was just like not even comparable. Um, but you're right, he worked for the Patriots, and I think he still will work for the Patriots, hopefully, if they get their quarterback situation sorted. Um, but you're right, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I think, if I'm being completely honest, the Jets should pick an offensive tackle. I hate to see Sam Donald being pummeled over and over again. I'd love to see him thrive as a quarterback, which I think he can do if he stays healthy. Um, but yeah, after that, you've got picks for the Raiders, who surely will go for a wide receiver. Um, San Francisco, who will want to replace Emmanuel Sanders. I think they might also go for a wide receiver. Um, yeah. uh, and then people talking about Tampa. It kind of changed hugely since they got Tom Brady. Tampa had the 14th pick. Will they want another top-class wide receiver to give Tom Brady, do you think? Yeah, so there's just so many options. And this is the beauty of the draft, I think. Now we've gone through the sort of top 10. We've mentioned looking out for wide receivers and offensive tackles slipping in the draft. But this is just the beauty of the draft. You do not know. And that is why genuinely it is a really exciting TV spectacle. Outside of the top maybe two, which we know for sure, and there's a bit of consensus going through the top 10, anything could genuinely happen, especially with trades getting taken into account. It really is a really exciting, it's exciting telly. And I'm really excited for it tonight. Will, yeah. are there any people who we haven't mentioned, any players that you would recommend just keeping a lookout for? Um, we've got Stefan Diggs' cousin. Yeah. That's of interest. Cornerback out of Alabama looked to be one of the first cornerbacks taken, Trayvon Diggs. Um, and it's funny, that the analysis that Daniel Jeremiah has given here is that the Seahawks will trade out of his pick because they just always do. Um, <laughs> so it might not go, he might not go to Seattle as this particular draft has him going. Um, but Trayvon Diggs apparently is an absolute class talent and it'll be cool to see two Diggs um, on the field. Also, Diggs is a wide receiver, correct? So Stefan yeah. Diggs could be being guarded by Trayvon Diggs. I mean, that would be unbelievable to see over the next next few years. I mean, I don't think that... Well, it depends where he goes. If they were in the same division twice a year, cousin on cousin, that would be unbelievable to watch. Um, no, it would be it'd be like the first... Remember when there was the first... Um, well, they call it the Manning Bowl when the first... When the Eli Manning um, faced off against Peyton Manning for the first time. And I mean, this wouldn't quite be like that because that was, I mean, you know, two brothers facing each other at quarterback, unbelievable. you know, that's unprecedented. But to have cousin against wide receiver, cousin cousins, that would be good. Um, other than that, people talking about the Patriots taking a tight end, taking the top tight end in the draft. Um, who they're saying is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. I mean, he's got a massive hole to fill. Um, yeah. You know, it, that wasn't filled last year after Gronk retirement. Um, now he'll be at every single comparison to Gronk will be coming out because now Gronk clearly had the ability to play and didn't stay with um, the Patriots, those are going to be comparisons going to be made. And he's going to be needed. I mean, if it's Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer, whoever is a Patriots quarterback next year, um, or Cam Newton, that's what I want. <laughs> I, I, want I want Cam Newton in New England. I that's think it's brilliant. Team. I think it'd be so left field. I think it'd be so Belichick just to shock everyone. Um, I think Cam Newton, actually, behind all the bravado and the, the Instagram dances and all this kind of stuff, I think he's an extremely focused winner. You know, former Heisman winner, former Super Bowl, um, uh, well, he got to the Super Bowl at least. You know, I would love to see that. But anyway, yeah, Paul Komet going to the Patriots. Other than that, I'm just very excited to see what happens. I want to see someone fall a long way, and I want yeah. to see a shock in the first 10 that no one had in their draft sheets. Because that's what's brilliant about it, is you see all the experts with, like, their massive uh, pamphlets and booklets of paper, mm -hmm. and they're frantically trying to find who this player is. Yeah, you know, yeah. why is he thought, why has he gone two rounds ahead of where they thought he'd go? That's why I kind of want to see. No, it's sort of someone like um, the Raiders picking Cleland Ferrell at number four last year was completely off the scale. Like no one even saw it coming. They knew who he is 
out of Clemson, but they, no one picked him at number four. And it's interesting. It just sort of sums up how these analysts, they work so hard and they keep their ear to the ground to hear all the rumours, but they don't actually know what's going on as no. well as the people who have the power. And some, some players might just suit teams differently. Um, I personally am really excited to see where Jalen Hurts goes. Yep. This is another quarterback who's gone through, we talked about Joe Burrow's adversity. Jalen Hurts got Alabama to the national championship final. He was then replaced at halftime by Tua as a freshman, a true freshman. Tua then brought them back from, I think, about 15, between 15 and 20 points down at halftime, brought them back to win the game. Jalen Hurts then backed up Tua in his junior year. And then Tua got injured and Jalen Hurts got them back into the playoffs, remarkably. And then in his senior year, he left to play for Oklahoma, who obviously had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray beforehand. And he came second in the Heisman Trophy behind Joe Burrow. Though everyone's sort of saying that he's not really a true quarterback. He's maybe, you know, he's not as aware as some of the other players, not as, got as good arm talent. I think he's phenomenal. He's a great athlete. I've watched a really good video on the NFL on the NFL YouTube channel about his preparation for the draft. He just seems like a really straight-up nice guy. He's, he's also one of those being asked to work out at wide receiver, said, I'm a quarterback. And so yeah. isn't, isn't going out there. He is, he is my, my guy to watch out for. He might not go tomorrow night. He might be in the second or third round or even further, hopefully not for him even further. But I'm so interested to see where he goes and how he gets utilised. Yeah, and do you think if he's not going to be a starter straight away when he seems to be fairly consensus not going to be an NFL starter straight away he could go to one of these um, teams where they, have, they are going to start looking to the future I mean talk about a Green Bay Packers for example you know you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers forever and would it be the worst thing for him to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for the next two three years in the same way Jimmy Garoppolo stood behind Tom Brady for a few years and then came through as kind of an unbelievable NFL starter Super Bowl competitor um, I could yeah. see that happening with him no, absolutely. He could be someone who could come into a system, learn the system for a few years, and then maybe people are talking about him going to the Raiders Yeah, put some pressure on Derek Carr. He sort of, he, he epitomizes that Raiders tough guy mentality as well. Put some pressure on Derek Carr. If Derek Carr doesn't quite deliver, then you've got Jalen Hurts there, who's a winner as well. We spoke about yesterday, players winning in the NFL and that being an important factor in their trade stock. But actually, he's a winner. And so he's done really well at college won a lot of games. I'm really interested to see where Jalen Hurts goes. Oh, we'll also yeah. mention it'll be interesting to see where if people trade up. So maybe the Patriots trading up. There's been talk about they're trading up to get a quarterback into the first round. That'd be into the top ten. That'd be mental. Yeah. But, or Jalen Hurts falls to the Patriots. I mean Imagine, that, would, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me massively because I don't think I don't think Bill Belichick is seriously thinking that, you know, this is their year for the playoffs. But it is their year to develop some serious talent and um, as you think the moves that have happened over the last 12 months in terms of Gronk and Brady moving on this is I think Brady, I think Belichick will be like relishing this being like I'm now going to prove to you that even though my whole tenure was kind of dominated by these by these two players and unbelievable squads like I am more than any players on my roster I am still you know the best coach in the NFL um, I think he would love nothing more than to go and win a Super Bowl without those players not this year maybe not next year um, but to prove that it is the coaching style and it is this culture at New England which wins titles, not you know a couple of future Hall of Famers, if that makes sense. No, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I certainly think Bill Belichick will relish the challenge to sort of form a new group 
a new identity and even be part apart from Brady and that sort of legacy. Because at the moment, they're so closely tied. Just right. as much as I'm sure Brady would love to go and win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and show that it wasn't just the system. I'm not just a system quarterback. No, very, very interesting. Plenty to look out for tonight. And, and we mentioned earlier as well, the sort of the Zoom element of the whole draft. No, very, very exciting. I'm very excited. It's going to be a late one, but it'll be a good one. It will be a late one. The only frustrating thing in the first round is there's, um, is, is it five minutes between each pick? Is that how it works? Or ten? I think it's ten. ten. Is it ten? Ten. ten. Well, each so, you get ten minutes. Yeah. So once one pick's been locked in, they haven't announced it quite yet, but then that's when the next, the, the clock starts for the next team. Um, I imagine the first hour could be quite slow. I mean, exciting, um, yeah. edge of the seat stuff, but I think it could be quite slow, especially if there are uh, deals being done to kind of move up to Detroit's pick or the Giants' pick. Um, but after that point, hopefully, teams will be able to get their first or second choice on their draft board um, and it'll speed up a little bit. But it's not, it, the, the only thing that I've found over the last few years, it's not thrilling right from the gun. Often, um, you know, you'll, you'll get Joe Burrow and then you'll wait 10 minutes and then you'll probably get... Um, Chase Young. That could be fast, to be fair. You'll get that second pick and chase Young pretty quick. Um, yeah. But I think three, four, five and six will be a tense, exciting, full of rumours, um, full of rumours time. And I definitely, if you, if you have a bad sleep schedule like myself at the moment, you can stay awake from one till two. Um, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be worth watching at least that bit. If you, yeah, if you, if you have any questions about the draft, any, any concerns, don't hesitate to message Touchdown with Tom and Will. We'll certainly be quick to answer. Um, and if you record it and watch it tomorrow as well, certainly an option going forward. That's what I'll probably do with the later rounds. Yeah, we might even be... Um, haven't worked it out yet, but watch out. We might even be live streaming on the Touchdown Tom and Will page if I can work out to make it all work. Um, <laughs> if that's something you've been interesting... Watching along with me, I'm sure, would be, uh, would be fun. Anyway, so that's been our, our, our roundup, um, previewing the first round of the NFL draft. Obviously, there are six rounds. Um, so, yeah, the first round, and then the next day, there's tomorrow, Friday night is two and three, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then four, five, six, the next, the next day. Um, and obviously, there are players that can win Super Bowls in that sixth round. You've got to find uh, the right diamond in the rough. But the first round is definitely where all the hype is. Um, yeah the players that you know will change the fortunes of an organization. So hope that's made you excited about the draft. We're definitely excited about the draft. Um, and we're going to review it, aren't we, Tom, tomorrow probably? Yeah. We'll have a review of the top 10, yeah, tomorrow. So we yeah. can have a, we'll have a, another review show. We're, we're podding out at the moment. We are, absolutely. You know, our biggest content is when, is, is when we're many, many miles apart. I guess nothing else <laughs> to do. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. Well... Will, thanks for joining me today and look forward to chatting to you tonight. <laughs> will do, will do.